Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com radio show. Hadit.com radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this uh, 16th day of November 2017. We're here with our co-host, Jay Basser. And today our guest speaker is Berta Simmons. And uh, I would hope you all uh, listen up and pay attention and get your pen and pencils ready because uh, we're going to be giving out a lot of good information. And should you have a question or a comment, please uh, feel free to call in. Our number is 347 Two three seven four eight one nine. Now, our call-in number once again is three four seven two three seven four eight one nine. And uh, uh, just hit the number one uh, when you're prompted to, and you'll be able to come in the queue here, and we'll try to pick you up. Uh, uh, Berta, how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good, Gerald. Uh, we had a beautiful uh, fall here in New York where I live, but it has turned into winter this week. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> so we've had wind, wind, hail, rain, and snow today, but nothing's hanging oh, around. My. But um, uh, keep that uh, in New York. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I came from a southern state. I used to live in New Jersey. <laughs> that was like a southern state <laughs> when I came to New York because it is uh, cold up here. But uh, I like it. I like the change of the season. And uh, and I hope people, uh, you know, they're listening in, do take advantage to call in, you know. And uh, uh, and if we can't answer their question during the show, uh, and if they come to have it, I bet they'll find the answer right there because there's a lot of information uh, in our DIC forum on the same subject we're talking about. But like you say, Gerald, you know, it pays to repeat these things. It does. Uh, you know, and, because, and I've done... Because we I, have new members and we have new people coming through to the website listening. Yes. Yeah. But, and uh, it's a serious topic. Well, it's it, uh, it, something you uh, can't turn your back on. You uh, Please pay attention and... and uh, uh, call in or, uh, you know, yeah. at least take notes. And, and remember, this is an archive, so if you need to go back yep. and listen to it, you can. Yep. And uh, the thing is, Gerald, uh, none of us ever know what our expiration date will be. No, we don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's why it's important, too. Uh, and, uh, and if we're VA claimants, We've got to stay as healthy as we can in spite of our disabilities to make sure that we can live long enough to maybe uh, see the, re- uh, the benefit of having an award letter, uh, you know, in our lifetime. And uh, a lot of the things that I, I think about, and I, uh, I've i written uh, uh, quite a few things down that probably I've said before many times on, on the website, but uh, then again, I lost two good men. 
two disabled vets, two honorables each. So I really learned from both of those experiences, uh, particularly the last time when I really had to do a lot of dealing with the VA. So I, I don't really give anybody advice unless it's something that it's, it's a regulation or that I experienced personally. And, um, uh, and uh, you know, we've talked before about having a death file, Gerald, and I think it's so important, and it can, be, it can make things a little bit easier for any veterans and survivors. Uh, yeah, you know, it yeah. Uh, it could make it things a lot easier. Um, and um, actually, I've got one myself, and of course, I'm a civilian. But uh, there's a lot there in it that uh, my daughter, uh, uh, well, both my kids, but my daughter will probably uh, really have to. Uh, she'll know what to do, you know, with that death file. Uh, and uh, it's funny, but I, I think about it quite often. What else? What other information do I have to put there? And, um, but, uh, should I go, uh, over, uh, the death file, uh, at this point, Gerald, um... Uh, well, uh, wait a minute, Berta, I think we have a caller. Oh, okay. Uh, uh 512, uh, see, I kind of, I might remember, is that you, Ray? No, Hello? I'm just listening to oh, I'm just listening okay. to <laughs> Oh, okay. Uh, well, welcome aboard. If you have a question or something, just jump in there. Okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. Uh, go ahead, Berta. Uh, oh, okay. We can uh, uh, get into to... this. I mean, it's it's quite involved, really. I mean, yeah. you can start off simple and make it as complex as you want, but... Well, that's uh, it, Gerald. Uh, there's some mandatory things that must be there, and and that's what you want to concentrate on first. Yeah, and uh, uh, I think one of the most important things, if a person has a death file, it could be an ordinary manila envelope, but to mark it in such a way that it'll trigger uh, the spouse to know where it's at when the spouse, he or she needs it. And... Um, uh, the first thing they should do is put hat at pat, uh, our, our website right on the cover and probably even put the password uh, that the veteran uses because the spouse could come through that password on, on the website. And I think that's going to be one of the most important things, uh, in my opinion, that any survivor at this point is going to need to have uh, because uh, they might get stuck like I did with two veterans' representatives, uh, one with each uh, husband that I lost, who did not really have a clue on DIC, and the reason is that they really don't get a lot of DIC claims compared to veterans' claims. It's probably a minimal amount at the end of the year when they check all the records. But on the other hand, they were trained in DIC just like I was, so they should be able to properly help a widow or widower, a survivor of a veteran. But to tell you the truth, Gerald, I think the most important thing uh, any family member uh, could do, widow or widower, uh, and uh, and that covers any same-sex legal marriages in the state that you're married in. Uh, if your marriage is legal, it's going to be the same, you know, for a same-sex widow or widower. And I think it's very important, uh, you know, to mention that. Um, 
but um, the file uh, should, this is what somebody told me about life insurance policies. My insurance man told me years ago, never put it in a, uh, say, a cash deposit bank at a bank. I mean, I'm saying it wrong. A deposit box at a bank. He said, never put life insurance policies in there because I guess some banks, when they free, can freeze assets, they can freeze that that um, box, the deposit box. Yes, they can. And, uh, now, I don't know if that is the case everywhere, but then again, uh, a person really doesn't need to put their insurance policy anywhere like that. Uh, they should put it right in their death file, and that would regard even uh, servicemen's life insurance through the VA, whatever they have, and uh, and maybe attach a little note to it saying that whatever the proceeds are from that policy, to have a little bit of a note there telling the spouse, uh, at the time of my death, you might have to get an independent medical opinion, and it might cost money, so please hold on to some of this. Don't spend it all in one place, you know. But, uh, That's right. Uh, but yeah. didn't we find out down in Arkansas they wanted over three thousand dollars for a uh, autopsy or something well, like that? Gee, that is terrible. And Gerald, years ago, I had no idea how expensive autopsies are, uh, and and that's why I was telling people to become organ donors because it. You know, in most cases, they will have to give you an autopsy. And here in the state of New York, that autopsy didn't cost me a dime. But I, you know, but it's so odd when I, the organ bank called me and I said, oh, yes, my husband's an organ donor. It never hit me. And that was the day after he died, they called me. It never hit me how important that autopsy would be to my claim. I, I was just, you know, you just don't think of these things. Uh, but the only time I think that any survivor would have to make that type of an investment, which is a terrible amount of money, uh, is um, if they question the cause and contrib- contributing factor of death on the death certificate, and um, which it might be correct. That That's a bad part. But what I found out, Years later, uh, my husband's autopsy is what service-connected many of his uh, disabilities, particularly the diabetes mellitus and um, his uh, heart disease, Agent Orange heart heart disease. And it confirmed. So so in your case, Berta, uh, you you would have had a – you might not even been able to – Secure his his rightful benefits had not been for the autopsy. That's that's absolutely right, Gerald. You're absolutely right. I mean, I I have denials for my DIC that are that are outrageous. Uh, they'll use anything. They will stoop as low as they can go. But on the other hand, they were giving me a hard time because I had filed for a wrongful death that type of a case. So I keep thinking, well, that's why they were so uh, reluctant. But, but I mean, it, it didn't help them to be uh, so uh, antagonistic. And actually, the secretary of the VA, about 10, 10 days ago, uh, 
uh, said, I, I don't know where it was quoted, maybe Stars of Tri- Stripes magazine, I forget where, where he said that he did find that the VA system was definitely um, uh, geared sometimes to discourage and go against the veteran. I forget the word he used. John, do you remember what he said? Uh, arbit- he said the it was VA an arbitrary. Huh? Adversarial. Adversarial. That's it. Adversarial. And that is the first time I've ever heard a VA secretary ever say that about the VA. But he's finding out the nitty-gritty. And and it's true. I mean, this is why T-Bird started this site. She knew in her own experience what a rigmarole the VA VA was, and that was years ago. That was over two decades ago. You know, over it'll be 21 years for had it next uh, in January. So she already knew, and in 20 years, all of the veterans and and survivors that have come to our site, I would say, 80 to 90 percent of them have found the VA to be adversarial at some point. You know, and some of them, they they go right through the system and everything's a piece of cake. But on the other hand, a lot of uh, disabilities uh, are, you know, difficult for the VA to, uh, well, well, I, to tell you the truth, I think the biggest problem of all is the CMP setup. And the fact that federal contractors were found to be ripping up, ripping off the VA for about $89 million. I don't know if anybody read that news. Yeah, yeah, and I, and yeah, you know, I, I think they're they're going to continue using outside contractors. Yeah, it's, and and but it, it seems to help them cover things up. I don't know. Well, in one sense, it does because maybe by see, it's it's going to put the screws to the choice program because that's where they were, the outside um, contracting physicians or whoever they were. Uh, they're the ones who are overbilling the VA under the Choice Program, and I, I can hardly believe it. I read it yesterday, $89 million. I, I've got to really check what I've read because, I don't know, maybe I have that figure wrong. It just seemed, it seemed horrific when you think of all the veterans that have been waiting, in some cases, for years for the proper yes. compensation, and here the VA is giving these dopes Eighty-nine million dollars. Now I could That's be wrong unreal. on that figure, but I think it was eighty-nine million, and I read it fast yesterday. Yeah, you read it. You read it right. Most cases, they were saying they were double billing, and uh, a lot of these uh, oh, doctors. Oh, God. Like, yeah, oh, okay. They start, Thanks. They do. I... They double bill. Double bill. And uh, even the insurance companies are set up to actually stop that or to find it and catch it. So yeah. they know if the doctor's double billing, and they trash the other bill. But the VA must not be set up that way because. They're probably paying both bills, and then when they catch it, it's kind of too late. Yeah, yeah, boy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, when I when I think of the money that the VA squanders on on, on stuff, it's it, it's absolutely pathetic, and, and it's enough to make anybody angry and wondering why they are overspending in so many areas and underspending when it comes to compensation because you know they they lowball anybody. And when I first came to Haddon, yeah. I wasn't used to really hearing that term in, in terms of a disability. But I think all of us know what that means. You know, I mean, they lowballed my neighbor. He's getting 10%. He should be getting 100%. <laughs> yeah. 
every time I call him, he's like, well, then he, he looks at me with, know he, you know, he thinks I'm talking about um, his physical <laughs> attributes. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but to get back to the mm-hmm. jet file, and I'll put all of this stuff, in, I think I've got a lot of this at Haddard already, but I'll put this again at Haddard uh, uh, probably by tomorrow. Um, of course, in that death file, there should be your DD-214 and your DD-215, if applicable. They should always go together. Uh, the most recent award letter the veteran has from the VA and I'm assuming they already have probably three or four plastic totes full of manual folders on all of their other VA stuff, and I just hope it's in order. But I, I, I put down their last, um, what did I say, uh, award, most recent award letter, or even if it's a denial letter, at least with that letter there will be some rating, and it will give the wife or, or husband some idea of where they stand in that respect. And then they'll have the C-file number. They'll need it. I mean, the C-file number is something... I never thought I'd have a C-file number. Uh, I found out that I did get one when I reopened my husband's uh, pending claims after he died. And um, But I knew what the number would be because I heard him rattle it off so many times to, uh, to the 800 number. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> Peggy, you know, like like that did a lot of good. But um, uh, another thing in there, there should be probably a raised seal copy of a marriage license. Now, maybe VA would accept a copy, and they probably already have it. If you're a disabled vet and you're getting VA compensation or a VA pension or something, they probably have a couple things that you're going to probably have to send them again. So just in case. And uh, any prior divorce papers, that should be in the file. Um, Divorce certificates for any minor children. And when I say minor children, uh, the VA considers natural children, stepchildren, or adopted children. So that's important for people who know that, too. And and most of our vets know that. Yeah, Uh, they have to have their birth certificates, too. Yeah. Oh, I... Oh, I, I forgot to say that. Gee, I'm sorry. But you're right. The, their birth certificates, you know. And maybe the VA has already paid the veteran in their lifetime uh, a dependency allowance for the wife or husband and, and the kids. But still, they're going to have to, might have to send it again to the VA. There's a good chance they might ask again. Um, and a blank uh, 21 534, and we, we have a copy of the blanket had it, and that's the DIC application that I would advise any spouse, uh, a surviving spouse, to really go over it very carefully uh, before they file it online. You know, like, uh, there's nothing wrong with filing it and taking your time with it and mailing it uh, to them and getting a proof of mailing. But uh, I I don't think it's changed much, uh, John and Gerald, since I filed mine. But there's a lot to it, you know. And and when you're in stress and you're in grief, uh, you know, it, it's easy to forget something that might be important on that. Um, my DIC form covered 
DIC under two theories, direct service connection and 1151, and it also covered my uh, accrued benefits under my husband's pending claims. So I'm pretty sure that that part of the form has not changed where you have a chance to uh, say that you are claiming accrued benefits too, but there's a little bit more to accrue than that. But but that um, and, and if a survivor does that within the first year after death, they are protecting their earliest effective date for any potential DIC that would be retroactive to the date of their spouse, and they're also protecting their status for accrued benefits, which are based on claims that were pending when the veteran died. And and it's very important because that, too, I mean, they will not accept a claim for accrued benefits after one year has passed after the veteran's death. Of course, they'll, they'll take a claim and then they'll send you a denial very quickly, unless it is a NEMA uh, claim, Agent Orange claim. So, uh, it, and uh, the funny thing is, that first year after death, uh, in some respects, it goes very slowly because everything in your life has changed. But on the other hand, important things sometimes are things that you don't want to think about. And, and you know, it's easy to put off these things. Well, so, it's important that, that within that first year is do what you're supposed to do. Take care of business, and that comes first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's, you there's have a lot to get to do. this data in because the VA is extremely strict. Yeah, they are, Gerald. And totally Andrew, we have another caller. Oh, yeah. Uh, caller, uh, you in there? Uh, uh, let's see. Yes. Five, one, oh, hello? Yes, I'm here, and I'm listening and learning. I have oh, okay. no questions well, or comments at the time. I'm listening and learning. Oh, That's good. Good for my wife. Oh, well, good. Welcome aboard. Uh, yeah, Thank if you, you have a question or comment, just jump in there. We'll we'll get her answered for you. Roger that. Okay. Uh, well, go that, ahead, that's... Berta. That's great, Gerald, because, uh, you know, a, a lot of people don't want to talk about these things, but I have found throughout the years that our nation's veterans are more willing to think about these things than the average civilian family. And if they're a disabled veteran and it's a question of uh, any sort of death benefit for their wife and or their children, I mean, they, they are really willing to think in terms of the future in a very realistic way. And I appreciate that because I wanted to do a death file presentation at my church, but um, nobody really seemed, uh, I'm in the senior ministry, and all the other senior people, they just didn't seem to want to think about it, you know. And I can understand that, but I'm glad that we have the opportunity. Um, here's some other something else that's very important. Uh, the death file should contain a copy of your health care uh, proxy and DNR. If you have one, it should be in there. And, of course, I, I think the VA would require that, too. Uh, 
uh, I don't know. John, would you know? John? They want copies of everything. Yeah. I, uh, well, I think Medicare requires a copy of it now because I had to give a copy mm-hmm. to my regular uh, doctor, but I'm not a veteran. But I would think, you know, uh, about two weeks ago, uh, uh, a, a nurse told another nurse who had probably just got onto the shift, uh, oh, that patient's in bad shape or whatever it was, and that there was a DNR in the file. There was no DNR. The patient died. He yeah, that was a heart. Had he had a heart surgery. Oh, is that what it was from? And he could have been yeah. resuscitated. Yeah, but that's here, right. The way I, yes. I read the story, that some nurse told another nurse there was a DNR in the files. Do not resuscitate. And when the guy, uh, you know, started having problems, they did not resuscitate him. And um, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean. Uh, yeah, they that, paid that, a big settlement out of that. Huh? They paid a big, the report said they paid a big settlement out of that. Millions of dollars. Oh, 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 oh I would hope so, yeah. I mean, gee, that, it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and that's another thing. Um, of course, if you have a will, it should be uh, a copy with your lawyer and a copy in your uh, death file. Uh, and for any Vietnam veteran... Uh, who might not have a spouse, or even for a Vietnam veteran who does have a spouse but is, could also be elderly at this point, uh, you might as well put the contact information for your next of kin in that file in the event that even if you don't have an Agent Orange presumptive now, we never know what will change down the road. So, and Nehmer, under the Nehmer court order, they have to pay out the money if there's any retroactive money. And they would have to pay to, uh, uh, well, the adult children. And, and you know, I think I don't think they go any further than that, but they do have to pay it out to somebody if a surviving spouse is also deceased. Um, now, Bertha, oh, on this, uh, this is kind of off topic a little. But on this Nehmer, does that only apply to Vietnam vets or veterans, or does it apply to a veteran that was exposed to Agent Orange, for instance, stateside? Because we're we're getting veterans now that's been able to prove up Agent Orange yeah. exposure to uh, in stateside. Wouldn't that still uh, Nehmer apply to those? Uh, uh, Nehmer only covers in-country Vietnam vets, Gerald. And oh, this okay. question came up before a few times. As a matter of fact, Kurt Priestman asked me the same question. Yeah. Because he yeah. thought that uh, now when they service-connected him uh, for Agent Orange exposure in Thailand, uh, he, he raised that question to me. Why didn't it, wasn't it done in his mind? They didn't give him the right retroactive money or whatever. But Nehmer is specifically for in-country Vietnam vets. And uh, they've never changed that. And, um, you know, so it, it narrows it down a lot. But still... Yes, it does. Let's, let's give him a little background on Nehmer real quick to kind of catch people up that's listening to... There was a court case, and this veteran's wife, her name is Beverly Nehmer, 
and uh, she took the bee to court over her husband's Agent Orange issues, and she knocked the ball out of the ballpark and won the whole kit and caboodle. So it was a precedent-setting case, so that's why they talk about NEMER. So in all Vietnam, in-country veterans are NEMER class members. That's right. That was a class action lawsuit. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it is. And it's also a good thing, too, John, where a lot of Navy veterans, if they can prove that they stepped on Vietnamese soil for any reason at all, with mail or delivery or picking up somebody walking to the ship, they are they come under Nemer, which is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, a lot of them do. Uh, I mean, but, um, with the ships list and stuff they've added lately, there's been a lot more veterans that will take advantage of that. You know, that were actually yeah. through boots. You know, so but still, you know, they still drank the water, and that that, that that's what they're right. me. You're right. Yeah, it's a, that, that's a really rough situation, uh, the Da Nang Harbor situation. To me, I think yeah. it's outrageous how they can say that a ship that was in the harbor of Da Nang, <laughs> with all the waterways in Vietnam running, you know, uh, from north to south, you know, from gravity, they're all running into the Da Nang Harbor, and all that water was coming up uh, through, you know, all the villages and forests and everything that was sprayed with Agent Orange. How they can say that Da Nang, the water in Da Nang Harbor, was not thoroughly contaminated is absolutely an outrage, you know. But uh, Da Nang Harbor vets have a heck of a time, and uh, maybe someday it'll change. But, you know, the enemy, our enemy is not the VA. It's time. I mean, time is the enemy for for these Vietnam vets, for sure. You know, I mean, I I just can't believe uh, how many uh, are dying from Agent Orange. Yeah, look at this way, Bert. The VA has all the time in the world, but the veteran doesn't. Yeah, oh, yeah. And the longer they stave off stuff, to me, a lot of it's job security. You know, if they granted just about every claim at a regional office level... Uh, there wouldn't be this accumulation of this constant, um, you know, redo of claims and stuff like that. I mean, it, to me, it's job mm-hmm. security, or or they're or they're just basically incompetent. I, I just can't. I well, can't. Pick, well, it's a it's a lack of, uh, um, well, a lack of momentum to do anything about those employees that really do not do their job. The accountability, well, and and I think VA is trying to change it, but um, they've got a long way to go, John. You know, it's a racetrack, Berta. The car goes around the track. He stops in the pits. The driver jumps out. The other jumps back on the car and takes off again. Yeah, it's yeah. Like when it gets off, yeah. when it gets on, it's not new money. Yeah. it's not new money. Yeah. There's some new money, but it, you know, it's not new money. So Boy. it's just uh, it, you know that's but they're they're treating it like new money, and it's not. Because when the veteran Boy. passes away, they might pay twelve hundred bucks DIC if he's drawing three thousand dollars a month. The rest of the money goes back in, in, into the pot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Boy, it's uh, it's just infuriating to me. To, yeah, but well, I've had to explain that to a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, including yeah. congressmen. <laughs> boy, boy. 
Um, oh, oh, also, any Social Security papers, uh, uh, you know, like the little award letter you get from Social Security, that should be in that death file, too. And if you want to be an organ donor, make sure your spouse knows that. And if it's not on your license, just write a little note in there or tell your, your main doctor. Uh, because uh, as disabled as my husband was, uh, he was uh, they were happy to get what they got from him as far as uh, uh, harvesting things that they could use. Even though uh, his heart was shot, his brain was shot, you know, there's still a lot... Uh, lots that they could use, and there's a lot of peace of mind in knowing that. You know, for me, uh, the way he died. And how about the diabetes, Berta? How does um, that affect Rod's organ? Uh, say that. How does that affect what? The diabetes. How how did that affect his organs? Oh, because I knew your battle oh. was over over his diabetes. Uh, well, that's uh, a good question. He didn't have it, but he did. Yeah, he was untreated and undiagnosed for both Agent Orange heart disease, and Agent Orange diabetes. In the six years he was patient here, because these things didn't show up in Newark, VA, uh, they had plenty of opportunities to um, uh, actually diagnose him with these two conditions, and they chose not to. And uh, and I, I proved that he had both of them. Uh, but, you know, one piece of my evidence, this might sound odd for the diabetes, mellitus, was his driver's license. Another piece of evidence, um, well, well, there were a lot of things there, but it gets back to the autopsy, uh, John. I studied a six-page autopsy that they did, the medical examiner did. I studied it intently. Um, they had a toxicology report. That That's what often makes these things t- take a long time. Uh, the only meds in his system were um, was his high blood pressure, meds and the Sudafed medication that VA gave him for six years, and he had no reason to be taking it. So that contributed to his death. But there was one word in the heart slides, and all of this stuff, I mean, I had, I mean, my daughter bought me a book that cost $300. She gave it to me for Christmas one year on cardiology, Brunewald's cardiology, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh because I, a lot of these things I was not familiar with uh, all the terms. and um, But yet, there was one word in the autopsy in his heart slides, and I forget what it was, that I never looked up medically. And if I had looked up that word medically, it was the word that indicated he had diabetic cardiomegalia. So if mm-hmm. I had known... The, what that one word said in the autopsy, you know, and I knew what everything else said, uh, it might have might have made that claim go a little bit faster. But as it was, um, I had already fought them for malpractice, and I won. Uh, and that was um, in 1998. Oh, and I never yeah. went to court over that. I settled with general counsel. I, I settled my own case out of court. I didn't want to go to court. Uh, I, I didn't see the need for it. I was happy with that settlement because, you know what, they could have given me trillions of dollars. It would not have made me happy. There's nothing in the world that could bring my husband back. So, uh, and, and, you know, so I settled with them. At, and a good lawyer often tells their clients, settle out of court if you can. 
A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. But uh, to make a long story short, what, when I filed the diabetes claim, this time I was really smart. Um, I did not have a lawyer or an independent medical opinion for my wrongful death claim. So I, I had to get up to speed on the legal end and medical end, and I knew, I knew I would succeed. But with the diabetes claim, I figure, uh-oh, they're going to really give me a hard time on this one, which they did. They refused to reopen the claim at first. But to make a long story short, um, I had two IMOs from Dr. Bash, a freebie, from the only doctor at the Syracuse VA that knew what he was doing, and he gave me a free IMO. And um, I had ordered a fourth IMO. And, you know, and I mean, I had spent, I think, about $5,000, no, closer to 6000 But part of that was refunded to me because the IMO that I ordered uh, I, I got my award letter in the mail before the doctor even <laughs> prepared the independent medical opinion. So uh, actually, I, I think they refunded about $1,000 of it. Um, but uh, to have a real doctor, you know, go over carefully my lay medical opinion and to go over carefully the evidence that I had found, which this is what Dr. Bash did. He didn't need SMRs. Because, obviously, um, he knew my husband was a Vietnam in-country veteran. <coughs> but he needed those six years of medical records to go over. And uh, I took him step by step. Uh, it, I, I think my I had a three-page cover letter. And then I had everything tabbed to, you know, this is exhibit A, A number one, two, three, like that, all the way down. So that when he got done with his opinion... He could go over and make sure that he had not left any stone unturned, and that's what he did. And 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 that's how I went through that. But that case took six years. Six years. First they refused to reopen, and then I fought them on that. Then they reopened and denied, and then I, I, at some point I just said, "No, I want to. I want my claim to be in front of people who can read." So I was perfectly happy to tell them to ship it off to the BVA, you know, and the Board of Veterans <laughs> can read. <laughs> and so when they awarded me, then there was a matter, another monetary, well, that award was a big award, John. It was bigger than I even dreamed of when I was filing the claim. But the most important thing about it was it gave me peace with honor, and it gave it to my husband. Because there's no peace knowing the VA killed him. And there's no nice way of saying that. <laughs> you know, and, and that's the way I put it when I wrote to Secretary Shulkin and, and President Trump and, you know, anybody else that, uh, recently that I've been working on this issue, uh, the 1151 issue with. Because there's a lot more scandal that hit, hit the fan. I almost said the wrong word there. That's what the thing. <laughs> More is coming. <laughs> um, oh, so let me, I'm just going, uh, oh, you know, another thing I thought of, um, 
Now, I think in most families, I, I, I'm assuming the wife pays the bills in most American families, which is a, it's bad when you're trying to, uh, you have a PTSD claim, and you know they're going to award you money, and then the C&P doctor says, well, who pays the bills in your family? And you say your wife, and then they they write down that you're incompetent, you know. And it, that that is a, a, a really, is really a sore spot for me. This incompetence BS. But on the other hand, uh, when if a veteran themselves, male or female, is the person who might be paying the family's bills, and if they're like me, they pay most of their bills online. Um, that amount is, uh, you know, still has that still has to be something to be considered by a surviving spouse who might need a password to pay the phone bill or, you know, even my oil company. They finally went online, Uh, you know, something like that. So that's something to think about, too, because the bills are going to come. They might not come in the mail, and if the the deceased spouse is the one who took care of the stuff, uh, it's something that the, the living spouse has to think about, but... Some of these bills are being the money's being withdrawn through an online account. I don't I don't know if I'm really saying that right, uh, Gerald and John. Do you guys know what I mean? I call them direct draws, like my internet uh, access, uh, Gen Four. Uh, it's sixty dollars and seventy eight cents a month, and it's, I pay everything. It's, 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 it's probably like auto pay. Auto pay, yeah, that's, auto that's auto pay. yeah, and it's something that, and then a spouse. Now the other day, I pulled out my propane bill, and for a minute, it looked like they wanted me to write them a check, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, this doesn't look right. But they changed the way the bill looked, and at the bottom it said, "Do not pay this bill. This will be electronically withdrawn from your account on like November the 16th or whatever." But you're right, it's auto pay. And and that's something that, you know, the, the bills are still going to be there. You know, it, when the veteran expires. Now, I, I don't use credit, but about 45 years ago, when I was married to my Army husband, uh, he, he was a veteran, he had some sort of insurance on... Uh, a credit card or something to do with the car payment. I don't know if they say sell credit insurance anymore. But if they do, uh, it might be that the, you know, that the insurance means that the balance could be paid upon death. I don't yeah, know how that works. That's credit life insurance. That's called credit life insurance. And uh, they still offer it, but you have to ask for oh. it. Uh, so if you buy a vehicle and you can let they add so much to your monthly payment and add that on your policy, and if you pass away and uh, the balance of the vehicle is paid for. Well, well, gee, you know, uh, well, you know, it, it's great because uh, I was in such shock. My army husband had been hospitalized for two years, but I always had hope that he would recover. And I was a little bit in shock uh, thinking about, you know, the fact that he had thought that far ahead. He even had it on something else, uh, I don't know, maybe a credit card. And, uh, and and it was a blessing, you know, to find out that there were two bills there that I didn't have to worry about. But um, that reminds me of something else that's important. And 
<laughs> I'm having one of those senior moments here, I think. Um, well, it'll probably come up again. It, it might have been something about credit or something. I, well, I'd better let that go. <laughs> but, uh, oh, uh, also, uh, I'm going to put the, this information on the website tomorrow about military uh, funerals. Um, just about every family in the world of a veteran is entitled to have a military funeral for that veteran. Um, uh, now, we recently had a funeral at our church for a man who had been in the Air Force, and two um, airmen were at the funeral and uh, did a salute and presented the, the flag to the widow, and um, and at that point, the, they left. I think they left the sanctuary at that point, and uh, I, I don't remember ever seeing that done before. Uh, but if, uh, but the, there is a lot more to it. Uh, if a veteran, uh, like in my husband's case, he wanted to be buried in the national cemetery, that's 20 minutes from my home. So his funeral service was done at the chapel, and then. Uh, the burial was done in the National Cemetery, and uh, he had a color guard, and uh, it, it was wonderful, and uh, they did the, the uh, gun volley, which I don't think they call the 21-gun salute anymore. I think they just called it the gun volley. And, and now I forget, because I have pictures. I only have four men in uniform in the picture, and then I've got a picture when they're actually shooting the guns off, the rifles, and there's smoke around it. I mean, it really looked cool. I mean, I think my husband really would have been proud of his own funeral, you know. But uh, they don't shoot off 21 guns. They shoot off... Um, seven, I think. Seven, yeah, I think it's seven blanks from three guns. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right, Gerald. I think that's the way it went. And um, but there's a lot of information. Uh, that, uh, I'll put it at the website because when my husband died, the funeral director was supposed to make some arrangements for a military funeral, but he never did. And luckily, uh, my husband's burial had been put off for about a month uh, because his best friend uh, needed a month to get here to be at that funeral. And, and it was really no problem to put it off. And, and I think it got me in a better, a little bit better shape because to deal with uh, a lot of people around me, I, I just, that first month, I didn't want to think about anything. But, um, but in any event, um, uh, he had a wonderful service. And, uh, but I wrote his obituary. And it's a good thing I did because the funeral director checked all of the reports because I brought his DD-214-215 with me. Uh, but I also put there he was a disabled vet. He was uh, not only in the Marine Corps, he was in the Navy. And when the American Legion Post, local post, read the obituary, they called me right away because nobody had called them. And the guy said, I'm glad we read it because we need time to get our uniforms together and to get people up for the color guard. And he said, uh, we don't have any blanks. 
and and you know, and I never even thought of these things. They need blanks. They look for donations for blanks. You know, and um, uh, so they did have enough time to get that in order. But uh, these are things that I hope go more smoothly these days with the VA uh, between the cemetery and the funeral director because if I had not written that obituary the way I wrote it, and I made sure that I put he was service-connected, uh, my husband would not have gotten a military funeral. Uh, hmm. you know, like, it, it's just not automatic. I mean, you have to explain these things to, you know, the chaplain didn't take care of that. The cemetery people, they weren't involved in orchestrating that at all. But I think today things are a lot better because uh, how, how quickly that, that final honor could have been lost. Yeah. And, boy, I would have been really mad. I mean, bad enough. I knew by November that they had done him in. <laughs> so you can imagine if he didn't get the military funeral. I probably would have gone to the corner newspaper and made a big fuss <laughs> in the newspaper. But, um, but you know, boy, time goes by so fast. Uh, I did want to mention a few more things before the show's over. Uh, well, you'll see the uh, funeral. Bur- huh? Uh, Berta, I think... Uh- uh, a veteran uh, participating in writing his own obituary. Well, the veteran could. Well, absolutely. Well, you're absolutely right. Yeah, uh, why not? I know veterans. I know veterans have done that. And uh, oh, that's wonderful. That's uh, wonderful. That, uh, they they help write their own obituary. Well, because, I'm glad you mentioned that, Gerald, because that's something. Yeah, I mean, I mean some people might think it's tacky, but oh no, um, maybe it. No, you know, I, I think. Well, I'd I, say I was a hell of a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you know that's a good idea, and you know I've actually considered writing my own because uh, I'm a civilian, but I'm new to my church, and they'll have the service for me, and I've only been there five years, and. It's odd because it's a small church, but I still don't know everybody, and they still don't know me. And I, I want certainly a, part, a few parts of my life to be mentioned uh, with some importance. And so I've been thinking about doing that myself. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. I think it's a no, great idea. I, I don't either. I don't either. But uh, You know, and I don't think that that would be... Um, that way I can say, John owes me 150 <laughs> bucks. I'm on the court. <laughs> Give it to my spouse. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, put it in you the know, obituary. And, you know, it might be a nice thing for a veteran to write a personal letter to their spouse or their kids or their parents if they're alive and then seal it and tell them not to open it until their death. Yeah, very you know, well. And to maybe say things that they never could say before and something really upbeat, it, it would be really good. And these are the things that help a family, I think, uh, get over their grief. Well, you never do. You never do. But uh, but um, but then again, uh, oh, uh, before I forget, uh, Social Security has to be contacted just like the VA. 
and I called the 800 number, and the woman, I, she was the same woman my husband had talked to four hours before he died, and she was horrified. But uh, I reported his death, and I had to calm her down. She got very upset. Um, and then I had to call Social Security, but usually the funeral director will call Social Security, and that will speed up the $255 check, which is what they pay for a death. And that's about oh, it. Oh, another thing, Berta. Yeah. On death certificates, I recommend everybody get at least 10, oh, 10 death certificates. You bet. I bought 10 uh, right away, and they went fast. You're right, Gerald. Good for you. That's good. And uh, uh, they may be eligible, the, the survivor might be eligible for um, widows or widows' benefits um, from Social Security. And if they have young children under 16, uh, their children might be eligible, and they also might be eligible. Uh, it's called the Mothers and Fathers uh, Death Benefit. And I'll put links to all that at had it, uh, tomorrow. And... Uh, Oh, and but you know one thing I learned: when anyone dies, veteran or civilian, their home should not be left empty too much for the that first whole week where the survivors are going here and they're going there and they're, you know, they got to go get the death certificates, they got to go pick out a casket, they got to go pick out an alphabet. There's so much that goes on uh, because. Uh, uh, once it goes into the paper, and they can publish an obituary, you know, within a day or so. They're online now within hours. Uh, thieves read obituaries. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to leave your home un- un- unprotected. No, no. Uh, usually a family member will stay Yeah, there it's a good idea to always have a family member there. And another good idea is to remember that um, uh, my husband was cremated. And that doesn't cost much, and I had no choice because of the um, uh, because he was an organ donor. Uh, the 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 uh, medical examiner said there's no way that you would want an open casket at this point, which I understood. But uh, no, the, people have to remember funeral directors. That's a business, and I think a lot of people feel this overwhelming sense of guilt that they have to buy something that's really pricey. And the bad part is a lot of people, I mean, I knew people that could go into a funeral home at a viewing, and they could tell you just about how much that casket cost. They would say, oh, it's silver, oh, it's bronze, oh, it's this, that, or the other. People look for this stuff. And no one, no one should ever spend a lot of money on a casket. Um, and, and I did when my army husband died. Um, and when I realized what I had done, it just didn't make sense. Because even the cheaper caskets were beautiful. You know, and they're going to charge you for that thing that they put the casket in. They don't put yeah, it in the vault. The vault, yeah, they're going to charge yeah. for the vault. And uh, even the cremains, uh, they might want to charge you a whole lot of money for a vase. Uh, who needs a, a you know a, a vase for cremains that might cost hundreds of dollars? 
you know, I mean, uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. But, um... Well, it looked like an old coffee can would work fine. Well, yeah, but you got to be me. careful. You don't want to store it if you use uh, tea leaves for your tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might get it mixed up. Uh, I, I had some of my husband's um, cremains. Uh, the funeral director gave me uh, about a cupful of the cremains, and I still have them. And, and then they buried the rest of them at the VA cemetery. And I didn't know if they could do that, but they did. And I, I was very happy about it. And um, But in any event, I, I just want to bring up the fact that insurance policies, they're really, you know, they're really never enough to really, I mean, they don't do anything to bring back that person. Nothing will. And uh, they shouldn't be wasted on a, a lot of things that... Uh, they don't have to be spent on, you know. Uh, you know, and th- this might sound odd, but I mean, I spent a lot of money at my army husband's funeral on flowers. And my Marine Corps husband, who died 23 years ago, he told me he said, "Don't you waste any money on flowers for me." Well, uh, I-, I sure didn't, and he was right. I didn't have to. I mean, it's nice, uh, you know. It's it- it's a nice show to put on with flowers, but a lot of this stuff is not necessary at all. Yeah, a lot of it is, like you said, it's just a show. And, a show, and, yeah. And uh, it don't do anything but take money out of the spouse's yeah. pocketbook. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you should be extremely cautious how you deal with a funeral, and, and yeah. Uh, yeah. To me, I plan to be cremated, so... Oh, good for you. The cheaper, the better. Yeah. And what I care what kind of flowers... I don't care if there be any flowers there. Yeah. What I want with flowers. (laughs) Yep. And, you know, cremation is great. I mean, I want to be cremated, too. I have to be so that they can put me on top of my husband's cremains over at the VA. And, um, And it won't hurt a bit. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the way I look at it. And uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, my daughter. You know, she was in Vietnam twice, and she bought me some beautiful, exquisite uh, stuff from Vietnam. And one one thing was a beautiful long dress that actually had like a a a robe with the dress, but matched the dress. And when I saw it, it was so beautiful. I figured, oh gee, well she could have me buried in that. And then, you know, I, I started to forget that I had already committed myself to be cremated, you know. And uh, But then again, I could wear that when they cremate me. I never well, wear it until they get you to the furnace and they have them keep the dress. They might be able to sell it. Well, there you go. That's a thought, too. <laughs> well, you're thinking like maybe my daughter will think, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but... but uh, you know, one thing uh, one thing about death of a spouse, though, Gerald, uh, if I didn't have a sense of humor, I would have been in a nut house a long time ago. Uh, I and, hear that. And uh, <laughs> luckily, the two good husbands I had that I buried, they had a great sense of humor, too. And they were realistic about their death. And, and I realized that maybe it was because they're veterans. It's just like my daughter. She's a veteran. She, you know, she had a... Sign make make me a beneficiary 
to uh, an insurance policy when she was in the military. Uh, you know, and right away, even if you're a young recruit, you know, you're a hit with this reality that you could die. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, yes, you are. And, in service. Uh, and, uh, you can be. It's a dangerous place. Indeed it service. is. Indeed it is. Stateside or a- anywhere in service. It doesn't matter where you are. But, uh, but uh, boy, the, the time seems to be going by very quickly tonight, Harold. But um, there's a few other things that I, I thought I'd talk about. But, you know, I, I could put it all uh, at the website. And I guess I should put it under DIC or maybe under the podcast. And uh, hopefully, uh, well, I'll tell you, when I got done with my death file, and every once in a while I add something to it, and this is to make things easier for my daughter when she when I when I expire, you know what she'll have to do. Uh, and I have peace of mind knowing that there's quite a few things I, I took care of. That's I mean, right. I already and, went, and you yeah, can update I mean, it when necessary. I would say every three to six months, you, know, you should go over it and say, yeah. should I add something or? Yeah, that, that's uh, a good idea. Yeah, <coughs> that's a good idea. I mentioned something that had it uh, about the show uh, a couple hours ago. Uh, James Strickland, VA watchdog, he he said, Berta, I not only have a death file, I have a death book. He put so much into a file that it, he said it is like a heavy book of all the things that he felt his wife should know. Well, and that's he, good. And yeah, and and I said, Jim, you're right. You know, this was a long time ago when we talked about it. And he said, Well, do you have a death file too? He says you're always talking about them. I said, Of course I do. And I and name it mine. I've got a photograph of how I set up all my hoses in the springtime. Oh. I figure my daughter will probably, if I die in the springtime, she's probably going to water the lawn. You know, and I've got a photograph of how I hook all that up. And up here, we have to have septic tanks. Uh, we live with yeah. wells and septic tanks in in the country. And the last time they came and cleaned out my septic tank, I asked the guy to just stand there with his spade and point to the lid where you could just, they were just ready to cover it up again. And I took a photograph, and he said, why would anybody want to photograph that? <laughs> and I, so I can tell my daughter when I die, i got to put it into my death file. But, you know, yeah. you start to think of those things. You know, yeah, it's I, little things like little that. Things. Pretty soon, bad and then accumulate. And Gerald, yeah. you know, I mentioned my neighbor to you uh, before the show started. He's in the yes. hospital, early fifties. He just had a heart, major heart attack. Uh, two or three years ago, he came over and said to me, "Berta, can I have first dibs on your farm when you die?" And I said, "Yes." And I said, "I'm going to tell my daughter right away." Because there's a neighbor in between us, and we're afraid the neighbor in between us uh, will not allow his cows to pass over that land to come into my pasture anymore. And he pays the neighbor rent. But yeah. he works my land. And anyhow, he works, grows crops up at the top of my land. And now, I just found out before the show started that he just had a major heart attack. And you might outlive him. I know. That's, well, I hope not. Gerald, he's only in his 50s. But, you know, it's just like 
what I was thinking about, what I said when the show started, we never know when our expiration date will come. And my doctor, my PCP, always says that because no one knows. And I've seen critically ill people in my church recover. Uh, And, of course, we believe it's because they've been prayed for. Uh, But on the other hand, um, I've seen very healthy people, you know, kick the bucket all of a sudden. It just doesn't make sense. Well, so many things can happen. We live in, uh, you know. Oh, sure. Oh, sure. uh, Actually, I guess day by day or minute by minute, but... um, you just don't know, so no. and there's nothing wrong with being prepared for it the yeah. best yeah. you can. Yeah. Not, yeah. I don't know that you can ever be totally prepared, but no. you can certainly make it easier on some of the survivors. That's and yeah. how long we been doing this on, on the uh, uh, death folder, or we call well, it the death folder. Uh, Gerald, We've I, done it for years. I think we, that you and I in the old BSVR show, I think that was yeah. 15 years ago. And I'm pretty sure 15 years ago we had a, a couple of death shows at yes, SVR. Yes, we did. And yeah, we I'm also pretty sure some it. of the veterans that were with us then listening, and, and like, like uh, Sasser there, you know, Stretch, some of those veterans yeah. are dead. I mean, yes. yeah, some of the veterans from Haddock and who listen to our shows are dead. And, I mean, I think of y'all as young kids. I mean, look at Carly, you know, I mean. Well, yeah, she was just a girl. Yeah. Uh, and, and my, my dad was She didn't look old at all. No. And, uh, and then uh, Test Vet, when he died, Mike Bailey. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, the, it, it, it's just a shock you know, to know these people. And, and you can never get used to it. I mean, no. just like they're there one day, you know, they, well, they might be sick, but they've pulled through before. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Ne- next thing you know, they're They're, they're dead. gone. Yep, they're yeah. gone. They're gone. And so this has been a benefit to some, and let's hope that... No one ever has to utilize it, but it's going to happen, so you yeah, yeah, not have one. Okay. Uh, Murder, when when you post that when you post that top of the head, it won't you go ahead and hit the uh, pin button, pin it. It'll stay up on top for a while. People can people will look at it a lot more with a lot more enthusiasm. They see it. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, I, I was going to wait until tomorrow to do that, John. If that's okay, because uh, it's windy, and my computer kind of acts funny uh, it, it, with high wind. You know where it'll go? Sometimes it'll go in and out. Yeah. You got uh, satellite internet, right? Yeah, the satellite dish. And a couple months ago, the guy came out and gave me a new modem, and he went up there and re the whole thing. And he said, you know, he said, this thing is on, on your roof as tight as it can be. He said, but... You know, they're concave, and the wind can hit it mm-hmm. and create, like, a little vortex in there. And, yeah. you know, so, uh, I mean, it usually doesn't give me any trouble, but uh, 
And then my neighbor said he would call me after 8 o'clock to see uh, how my uh, other neighbor's doing, who who apparently they are set, setting him up to have two stents put in. Well, oh, were, that's actually were, a good thing, Berta. Huh? If they put yeah. stents in him, stents are a good so thing. You, if they can get stents in him, yeah, that's a heart cast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you yeah, had that, right, John? Yeah. Yeah, I've had boy. all kinds of stuff. <laughs> oh, I know, and you're still kicking. You know, you sound like a young yeah. guy, like all you vets do on the radio. You know, you know. But, I'm uh, in the 50s, but I understand. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> me and Gerald oh, both have a record this year for days in the hospital. <laughs> oh God! Hey, boy, oh boy, the hospital is a terrible place to be if you're sick. Oh, I'm telling <laughs> you. You Boy. can't get out there quick enough. No. no I tried breaking okay. out three or four times. They wouldn't let me. Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> I tried sneaking out. <laughs> oh, boy. But, yeah, I hope I'm going to Yeah. If you uh, need to get off here, we can shut her down anytime you want. Or we can go on. Well, um, well, I, I've got to make a little trip to the bathroom myself. <laughs> Oh, wait. We, I've been sitting here drinking soda pop. We, <laughs> but, we didn't um, take a of a bird. Yeah, and I'm just about to, <laughs> and I'm just about to talk out. And uh, if my neighbor calls, he'll get a busy signal because I'm using my phone. I didn't plug everything in. Uh, you know, I didn't use the headphones for the show. Well, this is the best you've sounded in. I mean, you've just been crystal clear. Well, that's good to know because... When I use my cell phone, that has been a problem for me. That has so, been a problem. It don't seem to hold away. Yeah, right. yeah. And sometimes it will not work in my house. And I did yeah. a show with you uh, a couple years ago where I was sitting on my front porch and my winter coat was on. I had on my gloves. <laughs> and I was doing this show out there with my cell phone. And then for some reason I heard something fall in my house and I came in to see the house to see what it was and I ended up I was still on the show talking and I realized Berta you could have done the show in your house because <laughs> you just you know here I ended up doing the whole thing on the porch because sometimes it'll come in and out you know the reception but in any event yeah. I use my phone the next time too Gerald and uh, I hope you have a, lo- a big audience for that lawyer who's coming on um, yeah I forget yes, his name. he's coming on. He told me that he had listened to some of our podcasts, and he oh. was kind of impressed. Oh, that's so, wonderful. And yeah, that's- I had a nice conversation with him. And, oh, uh, he, He's coming on here the 30th, I 30th, think. yeah, the 30th. Yeah. So I'll and, be sure uh, to, to be there. I don't want to miss that show. And uh, yeah. I, Thanksgiving, um, I, I don't... I don't know if you're going to have a show or not, but if you are, I'll try to be on, too. Uh, well, well, I think we're planning something, wasn't we, John? Yeah, we had to schedule <laughs> a uh, open call-in show, so that's, uh, you're welcome to join us. Oh, yeah, like a thanks, thankful show. Uh, what yeah. are you thankful yeah. for? Yeah. That'd yeah. be great. I'll, I'll... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's already advertised on the site. Yeah. Oh, okay, so we're set for that one. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. I'll bring the pumpkin pie. 
Good. I yeah. don't know what print. Good. <laughs> well, Gerald, you need to go out and buy one of them printers, Gerald, one of them, uh, one of them pretty printers, and have her email you a copy of it, and we can print us a piece off and eat it. Well, yeah, one yeah. of them 3D three, three <laughs> printers. She could send me. Sometimes I send my daughter a card on Veterans Day, or at least I send her an email. And, or I, I used to send her something when she was in the military, and this year I sent her a picture of a cake. That I made for my church, <laughs> so she didn't get a gift, but she got a picture of the cake. No. <laughs> but I made a red, white, and blue cake, and I had fifty stars on it. And I had to look at my own flag to figure out how how you put fifty white chocolate chips on a bl- on blue icing <laughs> for you know. And it's it's you know what I mean, oh, John. For a minute, mathematically. And it was, um, I guess, five rows of six stars and four rows of five stars. But it was kind of tricky, you know, looking at a flag, you know, and trying to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> but in any event, uh, guys, I'm going to let you go. Uh, and um, uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. And I hope the information helps someone out there. And, and I'm sure it will, you know. And we'll be adding it in the future. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, wow. Thanks for coming on, Berta. We really appreciate it. You're welcome, and, and thank you, both of you. And you have a great Thanksgiving. You too, and you too, John. And uh, I hope everybody has had it has a wonderful day. You know, wonderful. Okay. Because we have enough bad days dealing with the VA. Yeah, we <laughs> you do. Know? Uh, I'm thankful that we might see some change in the VA in our lifetime. Let's hope. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not putting any money down on it. Either. Yeah, I haven't put any down, nor <laughs> will I. <laughs> and ladies, I call and it ladies that uh, tuned in, we certainly want to thank you for listening in. And uh, You're welcome. We'll be back here uh, probably next week. Uh, thanks for having me. Next Thursday? Well, Wednesday night. Oh. I think mean, Wednesday night, Joe. Oh. We'll do it before Thanksgiving. We'll do it Wednesday night. Oh, we are? Okay. Yeah. That's good yeah. enough. That's all right. I'll be pulling turkey anyway. <laughs> Everybody yeah. sleeps in the afternoon. Nobody listening. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That'd wake me up. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this will be Gerald Cook with Jay Basser and our guest speaker, Bertie Simmons, will be signing off for now. Bye. You've been listening to the Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio Show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or Blog Talk Radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com Blog Talk Radio and the Ask Basher Show.